this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Hey, do us a favor. If you like listening to the show, please just take a few minutes, not even a few minutes, one minute to go into Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. You know, a good place to start is a short little conversation on the weird things that I've learned um, in the brief time that Latte has had an Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, dogs are far more popular than podcasts. A hundred percent. He has twice as many followers as the podcast does, and he's only had an account for like a week. Bro. Like, (laughs) done. Anybody I know that's ever made an account for something like other than like a person or, you know, a a podcast or a group or anything like that, animals, you know, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it, you know, just a a pet or something like that, you know, a a page that's run by a person pretending to be something else or pretending Mm -hmm. to be an animal or something, you know, it's like giving some sort of anamorphic, uh, um, identity to a, a shih tzu or some shit like that just people go nuts for that and I don't know why oh yeah social media has become it's like the platform for making your your, your pet famous what's well, is I think it's a it's a form of um, escapism too because you know, we've got some horrible things in the news you know these yeah shootings all these sh- sh- every day some shit on the news that is just going to make us feel awful or you can open up your Instagram and look at a bunch of pictures of dogs talking. Yeah, just, just yeah, it's literally, and, you know, it's the best ones are the ones where, like, it's become the thing where there's, like, the dog dialect. Mm-hmm. Where they write as if the dog is writing the captions and um, has, like, a speech pattern. But all dogs seem to... <laughs> I haven't seen that talk, yet. ...talk the same way. And it's, like, you know, it's, like, broken sentences, like, words in, in the bad order. And like they're not dogs, they're dogs. Oh yes, they talk kind of like they're stupid, but you know, like very. 
like caveman almost. <laughs> exactly what I was just thinking. Like a caveman that just learned to talk. Like, you know, I am dog. You know, I am small. I'm small dog. Well, you know what else I've noticed too? A strain, and this is just like when the last in the last two days, if I open up his uh, open up his account and I go to the explore page, mm-hmm. and I just you know I'll flip through there and I'll like a couple dogs or whatever. Yeah, because um, he only follows dogs. I thought that was entertaining to have him only. He only follows dogs and the guys from Queer Eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as I'm flipping through the explore page, I it's it's like this thing that's you know when you go through that explore page, sometimes you see like one or two posts of something, and then a couple of days later, there's like three or four of it, and you realize like, oh, this is a trend that's like slowly washing its way through my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And and the trend for this is people on the toilet with dogs inside their underwear. I I have seen that, and that bothers me. It's something about it is. I mean, I had a I had a cat who used to like to curl up inside, but I never. I don't know. I know that you used to take pictures of like your 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 yeah, doors my, when you're when you're yeah, sitting my, on the toilet. Yeah, my feet from the seat. But something about having the animal inside there, I don't think it's wrong or weird in real life, but something about taking a photo of it is awkward. I don't know. Every time oh, yeah. I see it, I'm jarred by it. Yeah. it's. I remember the first time I saw it and it just made me... It's that same thing like I was talking about before with the whole like uh, like dogs or like pets in bed, like in your sheets, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, um, like mine right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel it. I can tell. I can tell he's there. Um, oh, but he's no, it's called like, up, passed out right now. <laughs> good for him. He needs it. Um, but no, yeah, it's like it's. Uh, I don't know. I can't really describe it. It's just it's not. It's not my thing. I'm not saying they're awful people for doing it, but uh, yeah, I'm not like the the underwear thing. I can't. I I can't even. It doesn't even register for me why that bothers me. Because that's, like where the, said, that's where my dirty bits go. That's where the no, dirty but, stuff is. Like I had a cat that would do it. Maybe, you know, maybe that's what it is. Is I know what level of of clean my underwear are. Right. If an animal were to climb inside of it. But when I see somebody else's, I don't. So then, of course, yeah. my mind always goes to worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Like your dog's on your skid marks. <laughs> yeah. Or your dog's filthy and now that's on you. And now you have some sort of, you have a rash that you can't explain. Yeah. A grundle rash. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but I will. I will say that um, it's really nice having his account and mm-hmm. just being able to go over there and just look at nothing but dogs. I can understand. I never got it before. I just kind of like the reason I started it was I. I didn't want to fill the random badassery with pictures of my dog. <laughs> like, I'll just give him his his own account, right? Um, for you know, like the four or five people that I thought would want to look at pictures of my dog, <laughs> and. That's that's the whole thing that started it, and then now like it just uh, I kept doing things that would entertain me. Where I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be really funny if he only so like the first day he only followed dogs and Snoop Dogg, and that just made me laugh. <laughs> like nobody's gonna notice that, but that makes me laugh. And then going through and looking at the dog pictures, and I'm like, I understand why people get into this because it's I don't I don't know how to describe it. It sounds really weird. It's like um, innocent non-sexual flirting. Right. Yeah. Because you're, you're talking as a dog to somebody else is talking as a dog. So you can have like these cutesy, almost kidsy conversations with people. Not really conversations, but you know, back and forths. Uh-huh. That would make you a creepy weirdo if you were doing it as a human. You know, like, 
uh, I saw there's 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 this one on there. I, I think it, the dog's the Instagram's account's name is a uh, little penny lemon. Uh, I'll put a I'll put, I'll put a I'll put a link for it in in the Instagram. But um, mm-hmm. this dog, everybody should go look at it if you know what latte looks like because I'm pretty sure this is what he looked like as a puppy. Mm-hmm. Like I saw the picture. He the uh, I, I'm assuming it's a girl because the name is Lemon. Um, I could be wrong, but it, or Penny. Uh, but I'm looking at this dog, and it's just a little bit lighter than him in color. But I'm like, oh my god, that that has to be exactly what he looked like. So I kind of, you know, like I went through a lot of pictures of this, you know, like kind of imagining I didn't get to see my dog as a puppy, right? And so I liked a couple pictures, and then one of them, I, I commented like, oh, I used to look like you, you know, it's like as him, mm-hmm. and then it comes back uh, on one of my pictures, the person comments, we think you're cute. And I was mm-hmm. like, "This is this is weird." Yeah, you're like, like, wait a minute, where's this going? This is like really innocent, like not even flirting. I don't know what you would call that. It's like I don't know if there's a word for that. It's just like this. There's something really innocent and and nice about it. Yeah, Chad, I got to break something to you. Dogs are real people. No, you are on the fast track to becoming a furry. Mm, yes, it's because like you are not only. Um, you know, taking on the persona of Latte and pretending and talking to people as if you are Latte, but you're also referring to his page and everything as if he is the one in control of it. He only follows this. He only oh, yeah. does well, that. I do the same thing with our account, though. I don't. I don't admit that I run ninety percent of our account. <laughs> that is like everything that you described about how like you're talking. It's like yeah, you can. You take it on the persona of latte, and you're talking to people as latte. Like that yeah, is, it entertains the shit out of me, <laughs> right? And that's the whole like from what I've gathered. Like that's that's the kind of like you're getting into that whole oh, well, that uh, that cycle of or the uh, if that's where I'm going. Rhythm I'm, of yeah. If it's know, if it's a natural progression there, then I'm. I guess I'm going to go there, and we're going to find out what it's like. <laughs> we'll definitely Just talk a, about it. Here. A cuddle puddle and yiffing. I think is what the. Mm, you know the, the, the most I, I know, most of what I know about furry comes from a CSI episode. I saw that's literally the words that were, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> literally, when you when you when you continued your sentence and I was trying to interrupt, that's literally the sentence I was going to say word <laughs> for word. Uh, cheers to that! Oh my god! Hey man, you can learn a lot from CSI. Gil Grissom is a genius. Yeah, oh, you know, I forgot we had talked about he was one of your heroes. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's literally all I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Good stuff. Okay. Well, now that we have the dog <laughs> dog talk dog stuff out of the way. Yeah. I just thought it was it's it's been an interesting journey, so I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, it is. Because like you said, it is nice because it is escapism. It's able to, you know, you don't feel any kind of pressure or um, uh, like when you're going to make a post or do something or make any kind of action on social on that social media platform, you're just like, you know, there's, you can't do any wrong, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I've got to, I've got to, th- if I'm doing something like on mine under my name and I'm trying to like not, you know, uh, I'm trying to stay within maybe some type of um, borders of content um, that I created in my own mind. But when you're doing it as a non-identified, you know, just a 
an entity like a dog or some or a cat or whatever, you can post whatever the fuck you want and to kind of well, do and say whatever degree. you want. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, obviously those, within reason. I think those certain parameters that you're talking about, they do begin to exert themselves even onto an animal account. Like, for example, there's a certain point. This is so weird. I never thought about this till right now. There is a certain point where you have this moment where you go, okay, is this a, is this a clean, child-friendly dog account? Or is mm-hmm. this a, you know, a dirty dog account? In other words, does right. this dog say, you know, like, screw this or, you know, like, I, I'm just taking a shit. And you, like, and I obviously, I, I think I've taken the tact of, of not doing that. I think it's been overdone. That's part of it. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. it's really funny. Your dog says I'm taking a piss. Yeah. Does humans say that? Ah, but anyways, I, the, one of the reasons that that stuff has been so fascinating to me, other than the minefield that being a human being on social media is nowadays. Right, yeah. Like there's just at any moment, anything you say or post could just be fucking flipped and turned and railed mm-hmm. against you in some way that you never even imagined even intending. But uh, I've, like, I've had for like the last week and a half, you might have heard me talk about the anxiety stuff that I've gone through over the years. Mm-hmm. But slowly over the past few weeks, it started creeping back. And I thought it was like, I was pretty clear of it. You know, it goes in bouts. Yeah, no, I just know that. And I can feel it inching. I could feel it inching back. And then it got really gnarly to the point where, like, uh, like my heart was just like crazy. You know, like my, it, it's, it's been worse. So I won't say this is one of the worst. This is probably one of the easier ones. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, my heartbeat was over 100 resting for wow, days other than when I'm sleeping. And it's just so gnarly. And then I started really. Uh, putting some some pieces together that I'd never put together. And I'm not, I'm not going to give all of the details. Number one, because some of this is like personal medical stuff that I don't want the whole world to know. Hey, you don't got to air out all your laundry. Yeah, especially stuff like this. I'm like, nah, okay, no thanks. But uh, essentially, I had been tested for sleep apnea before, mm-hmm. and of, yeah, okay, yes, you have it. Now, it's really common. I think it's one out of three people has it. Um, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure somebody told me that in the last week. So I had it, and then um, long story short, the stupid insurance that I have, even though I pay like $600 a month, the one thing it doesn't cover is CPAP, which is stupid, hmm. um, considering that it's like preventative care because you can have stroke and all of these other things that happen from having bad sleep. So I went through all of this rigmarole of finding like a nonprofit that takes donations of, you know, like uh, somebody buys a machine and a year later they get a different one. So they donate their older one because you can't really just sell them on, uh, well, I guess maybe you can, but you know, you need prescriptions to get these things. So it's harder to resell. It's kind of an intimate, you know, apparatus. Yeah. So it's, you want it to go through like something that you trust that is going to clean it for you and stuff like that. Yeah. And test it. Um, because obviously you don't want to get something that's supposed to breathe. Well, it doesn't breathe for you, but assist you in breathing. That doesn't work. Exactly. So anyways, I found this. It's, it's called Breathe California. It's really cool if anybody is looking for a CPAP and can't afford it in California, especially the Bay Area. I'll, I'll try to find a link for them. But I got a really a really good machine. It's, I think it's only like two, two years old, maybe. It's not like an ancient model. Mm. And in perfect working condition... 
And I, I got it for like, I think a hundred bucks. Mm. And these things cost somewhere between seven hundred to you know fifteen hundred dollars. So, anyways, I bought that, but then I don't know. I've had this blockage. Maybe I didn't want to accept. Uh, I had when I did the test with before, and I had a week with a machine that they gave me this mask that I used. It was just super uncomfortable, and I think I just didn't want to accept. Like, fuck, I gotta sleep like Darth Vader for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of propped up. You know. Because uh, you have to be at some type, a little bit of an incline, don't you? Mm-mm, no, actually, no. With it, 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 I guess it wouldn't hurt, but the general idea is that. I mean, I guess to explain to, I guess I, I made an assumption that everybody knows what sleep apnea is, but sleep apnea is essentially the air passage collapses, either partially or fully, during the night, multiple times. Usually, they measure it by the hour, and and you stop breathing. And what happens? You stop breathing. You literally start to suffocate, and you start to suffocate, and so your body jolts you with <laughs> adrenaline, yeah, and it wakes you up. Yeah, you get that. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, if you've ever heard somebody stop breathing and then choke, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, my dad has it. Um, one of my really good friends, he has it. Yeah, it's, it's well. I remember I had a good friend who. We used to, you know, when we were in our 20s, we, we'd crash over somebody's house, you know, like we were drink a beer or whatever, we'd crash on. One of us would crash on the couch, the other one on the on the bed, and I would hear him doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't sound good at all. I don't know what that is, because we didn't know what the hell sleep apnea was back then. Right, yeah. You know, this fucker snores, man, he's fucking loud. Yeah, I was like, he's like dying or something. I don't know what that is. But anyways, so with the machine, all it does is it, it pushes air into your air passage. Uh, that keeps pressure so that it can't collapse. And so the, the angle of your your sleeping doesn't matter um, unless you have a really long neck and you can like bend it at 90 degrees. That might matter. But for the most part, it, it's not a big deal. You can sleep on your back, sleep on your sides. I've never been able to sleep on my back my whole life because of not being able to breathe for like 20 years. Um. Mm. Anyways, the long and the short of it is I started putting things together where I'm going. That CPAP that I had, I didn't want to accept it. I never went and got another mask. I never took it in to Kaiser to have it calibrated. So it's just been sitting there for months and months. You know, like hoping, like if I ignore that, then maybe it never happened. You know, because I wasn't told I had a major case of sleep apnea, I had like a, I would wake up six times an hour, which is like the border. Really? So, hmm. yeah. Um, oh, I, I guess I forgot to mention you don't always wake up consciously. You can wake up in these little micro moments and go back to sleep and not remember ever waking up. So, like they say, ninety percent of people with sleep apnea don't even know they have it. Like in, like in the movies when they're like someone kind of wakes up and they kind of <laughs> like says something on a random san- uh, sentence and that goes right back to. Or you just wake up for like half of a second. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the adrenaline might just be a small jolt. And it just jolts you enough to take a breath. Yeah. But your mind doesn't actually fully... Kick, kick back into alert. Yeah. It kicks you out of the sleep cycle you're in. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't kick you out of sleep completely. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I went through that for probably um, years upon years. Decades. And I started putting together. I'm like, oh. I wonder if, you know, looking at the machine, like 
I wonder if that's related. And just thinking about that, and then like a couple of days later, I would catch myself actually waking up in the night, like jolting awake. Like mm-hmm. it's really hard to explain, but like it's waking up in the middle of a panic attack. Yeah. Because your heart is going about 130 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And you have that fight or flight and it's, it's terrifying. Well, do you also wake up feeling like, are your thoughts like, are you kind of like out of it? Like, what the fuck? Where am I? Like, what's going on? Or, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. completely. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, one, one strange incident that I had, uh, I think it was Tuesday. I was, I thought I was falling asleep, but I must have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so I, as I was falling asleep, I was thinking about something. And I must have fallen asleep in the middle of thinking about it. But to me, I was thinking about something. And then all of a sudden, there was this bright flash of light. You know, like those old cameras with the big flash bulbs? Yeah. It was like somebody did that in my room. Mm-hmm. And I, I woke up and I had like every thought in my head was gone. And, and what probably happened is I fell asleep. It jolted me awake. And, you know, sometimes you can that flash is just literally, you know, the flash of consciousness. Yeah. It's not really light. It's just like your mind manifesting something. But it seemed like I went from that thought to like having no idea why I was awake in a second. But who knows how long was between there. I was like, that 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 was weird. And it made me really nervous. I was like, that was, you know, all kinds of things in the middle of the night, all kinds of thoughts going into your head between like, did I just have like a seizure or... Right, no, yeah, yeah. You're thinking mental stuff. Then you're like, was it the aliens? Maybe there are aliens. <laughs> you know, like maybe they just dropped me off. Maybe that start was checking, why. Start checking your butthole. Yeah, you're thinking all this stuff, right? You're like, oh, is there a bump behind my ear? How about in my, you know, they leave any yeah. trackers? Um, so you're thinking all kinds of weird shit. And then like two nights later, similar, except this time I, I was gasping for air. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. I've been told I had sleep apnea, but I've never experienced it in the sense that those little wake-ups, those micro-wake-ups, yeah. that's how I've always experienced it. This is the first time that I woke up going, oh, this is the thing they're talking about. I'm yeah. having that right now. And then I started clicking. I'm like, okay, well, it's, and this is not from research or anything, but I know a few things about sleep apnea from when I went in before, you know, like, okay, it makes you more prone for stroke, more Mm. prone for heart attack, uh, raises your blood pressure. It raises your blood sugar because your body is is in fight or flight. So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, so if you, if this, if this thing wakes you up even once every hour and, oh, I forgot to mention, I was waking up consciously at this point about every two hours. All night. But I never slept for more than two hours for like four or five days. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going, I'm starting to piece together. Giving me anxiety with all of this. <laughs> there is hope at the end of this. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going, okay, so if I'm, if I'm waking up that much and I start thinking, I'm like, what would that do to your brain? Well, you're never going into the third cycle of sleep. I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. So I know I was going into that state because I would, I would remember dreams. But I'm not, if I'm going to waking up every two hours, but obviously it's more than that. But even at every two hours, I probably wouldn't be making it to the deep sleep cycle, 
which is the one that really helps with the shit with your brain. And it also is the thing that starts to, you know, that makes you, that heals your body. It's like the most healing cycle of the three. It's the one that really yeah. like uh, it cleans out your, you know, like it's the reason you get high blood pressure is because you don't go into that state and all these things. And I start putting that all together and I'm like, I have high blood pressure. I have high blood sugar. I have anxiety. I, and I start piecing all these things together. And I'm like, oh my God, all of this could be caused by this one thing. And, and some of it's just, you know, it's conjecture, right? So I said, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. So I made an appointment. I went in, had it calibrated and I talked to the guy. And the guy, and I'm, I'm telling the guy, I said, like, do you think that like nobody seems to agree with me? My doctor said, ah, I don't think so. When I asked him, you know, can this cause anxiety? He was like, oh, maybe. You know, it was like a maybe thing. And then the other sleep guy that I had talked to before, he's like, oh, that's not really one of the like symptoms. And this guy looked at me, he's like, they said that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's like one of the three symptom, main symptoms. Yeah, he's like, He's like, absolutely. He's like, if you have sleep problems, he's like, of course you're going to have anxiety. He's like, especially if it raises your, messes with your blood pressure and messes with your heart rate. Like, why wouldn't you have anxiety? That's, yeah, I mean, that is anxiety. And that's, that's, and that's that all of this wasn't for me to tell everybody about my personal journey or anything like that. That's like the lead up to what I wanted to talk about with you is I have this theory or not even theory, a question. Obviously, I can't conjecture a theory from not being a scientist or a medical professional. But I'm wondering, there's a huge... We see, we've seen like a huge increase in cases of sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. You know, like people conscious of what it is now, whereas 10 years ago, we didn't know what the fuck it was. You could say the same thing about anxiety. I'm wondering if most cases of anxiety are not these naturally occurring things, you know, like oh, you just have anxiety. What causes the anxiety? Oh, you, nothing. You just have anxiety. Yeah. And so they give you like a medicine to deal with the anxiety. Well, what if all... Of, well, not all, because it's probably never going to be 100, but what if a huge chunk of people with anxiety just have sleep problems and nobody's, nobody is treating the sleep problems, so they live their whole lives with anxiety and medication? Well, yeah, because, I mean, I, I mean I've, I've kind of always just believe not being able to sleep well has always kind of played into about a movie product. So I'm very curious as to how uh, once upon a time in Hollywood is going to play out. I, I I'm itching to see that movie. I can't think of the last movie that I couldn't, you know, the only movie I can think of that I've been like, Oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that is Endgame. But mm. that's just because I'm probably not going to be able to see it until November. What's happening? Oh, the streaming service. Yeah, because they're not going to stream it until that Disney service goes live. That's right. And I'm not going to pay $20 for a movie that I haven't... I like the Marvel movies, but I don't feel the need to own any of them. Mm. Because I don't think that I'm going to watch them again. That's hilarious. I own I own almost all of them. <laughs> I like them. And if they came on TV or they were on streaming, I'd probably watch them again. But I don't ever feel the urge like, you know what? I really need to see Iron Man again. Nope. Mm. Don't care. Like I liked it, I love them. I get excited for them, but for they're not the kind of movies that I want to rewatch. If I'm going to rewatch something, I'm probably going to rewatch a foreign film, something where I'm like, I probably missed half this. Sure. Or a comedy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a comedy that that fits that genre. It's funny when you said that, I, my mind immediately jumped to comedy, but I can't think of a comedy that I've rewatched a billion times. Spaceballs. 
I haven't watched that movie a million times. I mean, I've watched it plenty of times. Don't get me wrong, but I haven't watched it recently. You know, like like I I need I to watch. You said you had. I because uh, that's why we talked about it in an episode. I thought you said you just rewatched it. Did I? Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm now forgetting. I mean, I'm still concussed for anybody out there um, who doesn't know. Um, you might be right, but I can't. I can't recall when I would have done that. This is a time when you should be grateful that we don't have a very vocal audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get screamed at. Oh, you know that um, either crick in my neck or a, you know, a strain or something sore or something hurts or a mild headache. And, yep. You know, it's like you're just, yeah, you're starting off kind of, Ugh. and then you're like trying to do everything else. Oh, I did rewatch Spaceball. Sorry, carry on. I couldn't deal with that where, you know, like where there's people out there waiting to grab every inconsistency. You're like, sure. we're recording conversations. <laughs> Sometimes we're going to be inconsistent. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be, I, I would probably stop doing the podcast if I had to deal with that on every episode. That'd be madness. Yeah, because, you know, it, I think what people fail to understand about recording conversations is something that's inherent in a normal conversation is sometimes you say things, but you say it in a different way. You know, like for example, last week you said you were going to start rereading Wind Up Bird. Mm -hmm. But we had had a conversation the week, no, two weeks before that about what it was like for you to read it when you were concussed. Huh. But, you know, it's not, it's not, so somebody be like, that's inconsistent. Be like, no, it's just the way he worded it that made you think something, that he meant something differently. That's the way we word things sometimes. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to start rereading it. Which means you probably put it down for a couple of weeks and you're going to dive back in. Yep. But people take everything 100% like... But I thought you said that you were reading it again. It's like, yes, that is, both of those statements can be true and are true in this context. Or like, for example, like when I think last time you and... Yeah, it was the last episode you, you and I did. I'm pretty sure that I was when I was talking about... No, that was a really fucking jumpy sentence. Sorry, people. Sometimes I hear with the shit that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like that was like four parts of one sentence and never really get anywhere. The last time you and I did an episode, I mentioned that I was going to do Friday episodes. Mm -hmm. So that's there's people out there thinking like that's written in stone. Guess what? I changed my mind. I'm not going to. You know why I'm not <laughs> going to? Because I thought about it. I'm, you know, if I could do do interviews, yeah, those will come out on Fridays. When whenever I have somebody to talk to, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna put it out on Fridays. I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm already putting out two episodes a week on the free show. If I'm going to do extra effort for these longer shows, I'm going to put it on the Patreon. Sure. Like that's this you know like that's, that's stupid. That's kind of like, what it's built for, sure. Yeah, and like like people are not getting gypped by only getting two episodes a week for free. That's more than most podcasts. Most podcasts only give you one episode. So, like why would I even stack it on more when people don't necessarily want more? Sure. So I, I thought about it, but you know, like there could be something, oh, well, you you changed your mind. Yeah. Guess what yeah. I'm yeah. Thinking. You did. You're human. <laughs> and, and you know, what's, what's weird is because of this whole concussion thing too, like I don't realize the one thing that's been most dramatically affected is my memory. Mm. And it's weird because normally I actually have a really good memory. So it's very strange to have this experience where I just completely forget things. Mm -hmm. and, and, but, and, and that's like, the, I'm just going to take more, uh, you know, Fucking Excedrin, or I gotta just go get some Doctor Scholes, or I just need to do this and do that. It's like, yeah, oh, you can, can do all that yoga stuff. And I gotta, I need to stretch. That's it. I just don't stretch enough, and right. which is probably yeah. true, anyways. But, but still, but that's not all of it, you know, because it's you can not go the cost, and do, right? you can do all that stuff, and you can do all the stretches, you can do all the things 
during the day that can help alleviate it. But what you're doing then is just going at the end of the day, you're just going right back to the, the source of your problem and just totally reverting back to the step one. And you're gonna have to go do it all over again. It's your right. That's it's, it's, it's like having pneumonia and taking cough drops. You're yeah. Like you might not cough, but guess what? Your lungs are still infected. Yeah. And in, in, until you treat, you know, you stop treating the symptoms and start treating the disease. Um, not that I would say this is a disease. It's, you know, whatever. But in that case, you know, one of the other things the guy told me too, I forgot to mention was he said, as far as I said, the anxiety thing, he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I can't believe they didn't tell you that. He's like, he's like, well, of course you would have anxiety. He said, because when you're getting those adrenaline shots to your body that many times a night, your cortisol levels are going to be completely imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And cortisol is literally, <clears throat> excuse me, frog in my throat, speaking of frogs, it's literally the fight or flight hormone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be out of balance. He's like, you're going to feel so much better after you start using this. It's like your brain's going to start working better and your body's going to start working better. And so, I, of course, like me being the nerd I am, I always look at like my uh, Apple Watch data, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you can look at your heart and like I... I I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nerdy for a second just because I can. I'm going to go back and tell you my heart rate range and then uh, how, it's, how it's changed just in one. I've only used the CPAP one night so far. Okay, yeah. so August 11th. This is a, high, this is a low to high. Uh, low, you can kind of discount the lows as being true because sometimes it doesn't always catch every heartbeat because it's literally beaming light through your skin. Yeah, yeah. It, it tends to, which means that sometimes your heart rate goes higher than the highest high also. It doesn't overcount. It always undercounts. But on August 11th, lowest was 63, highest 158. <laughs> By the way, that's really high. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that that, that is um, that's an abnormal, an abnormal reading because when I look at the scale, it's a dot. So it's not part of a range line. Yeah, you can get a range. You can get you can get weird readings like that, and it's just like a one peak. Like maybe you just and what that is probably is you're getting a cortisol shot from your body. You're taking a poop. Yeah, so you get a momentary like spike of the cortisol, and it jacks it up that high for a second, and then drops it down a little bit lower. Um, Next day, sixty-one to one fifty-one. Day after that, better day, fifty to one nineteen. Hmm. Also a shorter day. I didn't put on the watch till later. Hmm. Uh, next day, 68 to 131. 70 to 122 was was yesterday. Okay? So before using the CPAP, literally a day before, 70 to 121. Not terrible, but still, this is resting heart rate. 121 for a resting heart rate, not the best. That's, yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty unhealthy. <laughs> um, actually, I take that back. Sorry, this is not resting heart rate. This is heart rate measurement period. Um, so that's the highest and the lowest. Okay, so uh, you just got to be factoring in then what it was that you were doing. Yeah, so every one of these that peak, anywhere in the peak, the peak probably happened while, while I was walking, which will yeah. add 10 to 15 beats a minute, depending yeah, on yeah. speed. And then today, after using CPAP one night, 52 to 105. Hmm. So the highest I hit today was in the medium range for every day for 
if I go back far enough, probably a couple months. Uh, and I did not sleep well last night either. Because one of the problems with this, with this condition is your body is trained to jolt awake. Mine was waking up every two hours with this cortisol shot from choking. Well, you take away the choking and you take away the cortisol. Guess what? You still have muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. Your, so your body still wakes up every two hours <laughs> until it realizes that that's not going to happen anymore because it's, it's waking up almost preventatively. Right. So I, I can't imagine what my numbers are going to do when I start getting what I haven't had in a very long time, a full night's sleep. Hmm. Oh, this should be an interesting journey. It's, in, it's insane. And then just like looking at like the heart rate variability starts to spike up as you use the CPAP and that's a good measurement of heart health. So I don't know. It's just really fascinating to me that there's this, there's this disorder, sleep apnea, that we know is common that we know is extremely common and and extremely undiagnosed and that it causes this bevy of health problems. Why why do we test people for tuberculosis? Um, You know, like there's all of these these, these diseases that we test everybody for. Yep. Just to help them so that it's like, oh, you have this, let's get rid of it. Why don't we test everybody for sleep sleep apnea week instead of a five-day work week? And everybody was, you know, somebody, I think it was the, the Wall, Wall Street Journal or something, somebody, you know, ripped into them in an article saying, you know, four 10-hour days is, is just, it's too much. You know, you're asking people to be there for eight hours and then tack on another two just so that, you know, you can say it's only a four-day week. And he was like, uh, no, that, that's entirely not what I'm saying. I'm saying four eight-hour days. Yeah. Literally erase those. There's no, you know, there's no money in cures, which is why the last, you know, like, there's not very much, people are always like having the argument, you know, the last thing that we cured was polio. It's like, well, yeah, of course, they're going to kind of want to keep you on treatment. They want to get more money out of you. So I'm sure there has to be some sort of backing because, yeah, you're going to test for TB and all these different things where it's like, you can get, uh, Oh, there's not a cure, but there's plenty of long-term um, uh, medications that you'll be able to get, and this, that, and the other. But is there really, you know, aside from you know sleeping better? There's not really. I mean, CPAP machines, yeah, but it's not the same as making. You're not making the same amount of money off a CPAP machine that you well, are I, off of I, like. I would disagree shit. because. Um, First of all, I mean, blood pressure medication is cheap. They're not making very much money off of each person. I mean, I, my 100-day supply of blood pressure medicine is $11. That's what I mean. You know. $11 every 100 days off of one person. That's not very much. But a CPAP machine is way more. And you, every six months, you have to buy a new tube. And you have to buy cleaning supplies. And you have to buy filters for it. There's way more money in the CPAP machines than there are in the medication. Well, that's so what I mean. Is like in comparison to other, you know, um, like you're saying these other ailments and diseases and things like that. There's there's more money to be made in those, so that's probably why there's not a well, big. I don't push know. To like, 
I don't know because heart attack and stroke kills people, so then you get no money from them. I don't. I don't think that's what I. I agree with you that it happens in some cases, but I don't think that's what's happening here, because I don't see, you know, like um, if you have some kind of non non deadly condition mm-hmm. that requires uh, continual treatment or something like that, then yeah, okay, then you're getting money from this person. There's no motivation to cure that. But if the thing that they have can kill them, then you get nothing. You don't get their monthly premium. You don't get all the treatments that they get for everything else that they have. You know, not even counting the money that you would get off of the CPAP. So I don't, I don't see a, mo- a selfish motivation on that here. I just literally think that it's a matter of a, a lack of awareness that, that we're yeah. we're we're going through this era of where we're just finally accepting that, like, oh, anxiety is normal. A lot of people have anxiety. We haven't got to that era with sleep apnea yet. And I think the bridge is really going to be when people start to realize that the two things are, for most people, linked. Yeah. I'm sure there's more, there's way more things linked to it than, you know, even we've, you know, mentioned or uh, uh, hypothesized. Because there's just so much that stems from, you know, there's, Understanding how your brain actually kind of what affects it and in what ways those things affect it and what factors into your your health and stuff um, is literally it's anybody's guess. We don't know one hundred percent for sure. I would say. Um, so I think the other thing too is it comes from people who are like, well, I don't snore. So I don't, I can't have sleep apnea. I just sleep bad. I just have a right. mattress or like, oh, I just, you know, um, I maybe have a, uh, you know, I, my job, you know, yeah, they have, because you've seen those things where they have the little to help you stop snoring. It's like a, a chin strap. Well, it's that, or they have the inserts where it like, it kicks your, it gives you an underbite while you sleep. Oh yeah. The, the like a mouth guard, football mouth guard type thing. Yeah. But it like, yeah, pulls your, I've noticed that sometimes for me, like I'll be downstairs, like watching TV and I'll be in like a recliner chair and I'm going to kind of start to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden, or even if I'm not, you know, falling asleep, I'm kind of just kind of vegged out and I get in the right position. I can feel like my throat kind of close off, but that's just because like my jaw, like the angle I'm at and where my head is positioned, it's kind of closing off my throat mm-hmm. you now. And it's like, I've found, I've found that happening when I'm sleeping in that same position, like in front of the TV. And like all of a sudden, I'll kind of do that thing where I can't breathe. But that's because it's like, a, if you I mean, if you put your chin to your chest, it's, right. you're going to have that kind of... I mean, you're, you're literally like, uh, you know, artificially causing sleep apnea. Right. You're, yeah. You're not so doing most, exactly the same way, but you're collapsing their way. Exactly. And um, so I'm sure a lot of people don't even, you know, they, there's a, probably a connotation to most people of like, oh, well, that's sleep apnea with the with the machine. Oh, that's that's something my dad has, or you know, that's something my uncle has. It's that's right. something like oh, that's a good point. You know, there's a stigma like, to it. Yeah. So it's like there's no way I have sleep apnea. Not to so, mention it's you're, you're thinking like I'm never going to get laid if I have to sleep next to somebody with a mask on my face. Yeah, this thing that's going. 
That's the thing that's night. cool about my machine is it's silent. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, the other thing I was thinking about too, like in, in like, Hey, why aren't we testing for this? If, okay, we'll, we'll say at best, I've had this problem for about 10 years. Um, and that's just knowing that the symptoms that are associated with it, I've had for 10 years, Mm -hmm. um, like frequent urination in the middle of the night. Yeah. We talked Um, about that. Yeah. Um, the reason, by the way, the, I, I don't remember why it stops it, but there's a hormone that you secrete when you sleep. Mm-hmm. That prevents you from peeing, mm-hmm. and when you know, and I move <laughs> on, you know. But sometimes we'll like bait the person back. We're like, "Why?" Like, you know what? I I don't care anymore. Yeah, and if you didn't care enough to give me a response, then there's no reason for me to fish. Yeah, it's obviously not going to be a good conversation. Yep. Jeez, <laughs> well, fishing is just—it's a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm so I'm so kind of just over having conversations via text anyway. So I kind of feel the same way about it. You know, it just it just seems not very informative or productive. And so from that perspective, especially with how busy I am these days, like it just it just does not feel like a good use of my time to sit there and respond to a hundred text messages, most of which I'll probably forget about within an hour. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you look at our <laughs> if you look at our email conversation, yeah, uh, lame. K home. Okay, ready when you are. Cool. <laughs> uh, shall we move recording tomorrow? Would yes, be wise. Would be wise. What time today? Pretty much any time. What time are you thinking? Five thirty or so. I'm in Palo Alto. Depends on traffic. Okay, works for me. Almost home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready whenever. Jumping on. It's like it's like walkie-talkie. Right? I feel like we're sending telegrams. <laughs> It feels like it, but that's the way that's the way tech message should be used. Sure, precise, concise, and decisive. <laughs> Not these long. Oh man, just meandering um, messages that go nowhere. You know, I have there. There are a few people that I accept really long messages from because it's just the, that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a some, and because it's who they are, there's an art to the longer ones, and they just have so much information to say, so they just pump it out in this, but. What I appreciate about that is they take the time to at least put it in one bubble. Sure. I hate when people break it up into like 15 bubbles. I'm oh, like, yeah, oh, that's obnoxious. Put the phone down. No, not yet. Not done yet. Duh, oh, duh, when duh. can I put the phone down? <laughs> when, when, am I, when am I supposed to jump in here? Although I will say I appreciate people who separate separate ideas into separate bubbles so I can yeah. answer individual questions. You know what I tried to do too? This is so funny. This actually does fit in the show because what we're talking about is trying to do things better. I, I break them into paragraphs. I'll use the same bubble, but I break them into different paragraphs. Oh yeah, sure. Using proper grammar in a text message? What's wrong with you? Just, you know, like, okay, that subject is in that paragraph. Space. Yeah. <laughs> other other topic. <laughs> I do hate when it goes back and forth, like when you're threading like three different conversations, like, nah. Can we just talk about too one much. Yeah. Go to the other one later. Uh, what movie are you watching? Oh, uh, also, I'm eating this right now. By the way, did you know? Don't care. Oh my god, I'm gone. Yeah, I mean, my uh, and maybe maybe you know, in a weird kind of way, like this concussion has been such a godsend uh, in that my cognitive abilities and my cognitive speed are not what they they normally are. So I have to be conservative about my time. You know, I have to be. I have to limit the amount of energy I spend on individual tasks, and so because of that, I've been very selective about how I respond to things and and when I respond to things. I even ask people for very specific things in my communications with them, and it's been really, really helpful. And I may just, I may just keep doing that. 
Yeah, directness is always easier. Sure. Um, you know what I realized is I started to talk about the week and then we went on a tangent. I never finished what I meant. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that happens often. Um, so anyways, time blocks. That's what I was explaining. So time blocks. So what I did is I set aside two hours every day to do writing. And was Tuesday was the first day. And I sat down and I was like, fuck. Because, you know, like having to rewrite the whole thing is... We talked about this before and I talked about this in multiple episodes on my Patreon. Is like, fuck, this is so daunting. Like morally. Um, morale. Not morally. It's daunting to your morale. Like It's like being... Kicking yourself over and over again. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. So I sat here and like I, was, I, I probably looked at the computer for like maybe two minutes. I was like, nope, don't want to do this in front of the computer. So then I pulled out the index cards and I started doing some stuff with the index card, figured out like one thing. I'm like, oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's cool. But I still like wasn't into it. I was not into it. I was kind mm. of, you know, like sometimes you do a task, especially like a creative task, and you're outside of it, jabbing at it. You know, like you're poking it. It's like you're poking at it from from a distance. Sure. You don't. You're not in flow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I definitely was not in flow. So then I went over to the chair and I, I'm like, maybe if I do it in a notebook, it'll like pull me in more. And I wrote like one sentence in the notebook, and I'm like, nope, this isn't doing it either. And then I did something I've never done before. I said, you know what I'm going to fucking do is I'm going to use the voice memos on my phone, and I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to talk it out. I'm going to talk this out and just talk myself to some place. I don't know where I was going. I don't know what I was doing. All I knew is I had this big idea for the book, big in the sense that it requires a whole rewrite to get this one thing in there. But I didn't really understand yet what that was going to mean for the whole book. Sure. I'm sure everybody can hear. Latte just woke up and he's scratching. Um so I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna just record it that way I can not have to worry about um, forgetting anything, and I can just talk this out and just figure this out. And first of all, that's really really hard. It's really hard for me at least because when you're actually thinking stuff out, there are long silences. Sure. And there's always a part of my brain that goes, "There's a recorder going." You know, like, <laughs> I don't know why. No one's going to fucking hear this. But there's part of me that's worried about these long silences. Huh. Which, which made me wonder, small tangent, why the voice memo app on the phone, which is supposedly technologically more advanced than the little mini tape recorders we had when we were younger for recording classes, why it doesn't have the feature to strip silence. Oh, sure. Because you know, those little tape recorders, if you put it in a room and nobody was talking, it wouldn't record until it heard sound. Yeah, it'd be voice activated, yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't the fucking iPhone have that? That should be built right in. But anyways, so I end up sitting there and I'm talking this out for an hour. <laughs> I went an hour just like I kept going and like I got on fire. Like I got into flow near the end and I had... I mean, I put up the picture on Instagram. 89 new plot points from that hour. Jeez. 89 new plot points that completely changed things and not some... I don't know how to describe it. It's like like that the idea of poking at it from the outside. Mm-hmm. I always felt like that about my main character. I understood my main character, but I always felt like I was manipulating him from outside of him. Mm. I never felt like I got into him 
or into the other characters for that matter. Like I felt more like a marionette with that book. And then when I got to the end of that, I had such an understanding that I was like, oh my God, I know this book now. Yeah. I know this book now. And like most of the stuff I'm going to rewrite, I'm going to have to write scenes that don't exist. I'm going to have to throw away probably half the scenes that I have, but it's going to be the book that I always wanted it to be. Sure. Well, because now you actually know what you want it to be. Exactly. Well, and it has that, it has a heart to it. You know, like we talked about the story thing before, right? Yeah. Like what's the story? You know, like Game of Thrones, who will sit on the Iron Throne? That embodies the whole show. Sure. Right. That's it. If you don't have that, which I didn't, if, of course you feel like you're outside of it poking because you don't know what the fuck you're playing with. So I got to the end of that and I, and then I, I did something else after that. Uh, I don't remember. I ended up spending the whole two hours um, and feeling really productive. So then I went and I did like my normal like work stuff for clients, some other stuff. Went on an hour and a half walk with the dog. I boxed in the morning. I boxed in the evening. I got to the end of the day and I was like, this is probably one of the best days I've had in years. Hmm. Just because I actually, in every way that day, fulfilled all of the roles that I had set for myself. Yeah, I recorded part of a... Uh, I recorded a solo podcast that night too and a Patreon episode that night. So every role that I had set for myself in my life, I fulfilled in that one day. Interesting. Not to completion, but you know, like I was doing it. Like yeah, I'm yeah. a writer. Sure. I wrote. You know, I'm a podcaster. I podcasted. I want to be healthy and exercise. I did it three times that day. You know, like everything. How's the boxing coming along, by the way? I, you know, I, I've, I've taken on a new, a new theory on that in the sense that I don't go for long periods. I go for five minutes at a shot. Mm-hmm. So anytime that I'm ready, I just go outside barefoot, whatever, do it for five minutes, come back in. Hmm. Because I'm trying to train my brain to be like, this is something you can do whenever, they feel, whenever you feel like it. And train it into something just like watching TV. We're like, oh, let's do that now. Instead of making it like this, you know, like big grand thing that you have to do. The bigger you make exercise, the more daunting the exercise is, the easier it is to avoid it. Sure. You know, like I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do fucking uh, CrossFit for two hours. Well, on the day you're lazy, it's really hard to convince yourself to go do CrossFit for two hours. Sure. But if it's five minutes hitting a bag, it doesn't matter what day it is. I was sick one day and I fucking went out and did it. Hmm. It's weird. We have such opposite feelings about that. I feel like because I turn tasks into grandiose things, like exercise in particular, I feel like I'm more likely to do them. I feel like when you make something bigger than it is, personally... It, it makes it really easy to avoid it. Makes it easy to make excuses mm. when it's when it's when it's nothing. When it's just like brushing your teeth, then I mean nobody goes. Oh, you know what I forgot to do today? I forgot to brush my teeth. Or you know what? I was too lazy to brush my teeth today. Or I didn't feel like wiping my ass. I guess it kind of depends on like the way that I make it work for me is that I turn it into a task with an end goal. I think um, like for example with golf, I'll tell myself, okay. I want to hit 10 chips within three feet of the hole from 50 yards. Mm-hmm. And so I will not be done with that task until I achieve that. Yeah, that's gamification. Oh, yeah, um, true. <laughs> referring back to Jay McGonagall and Super Better. Um, but, you know, like that's the same thing with the boxing, right? Five minutes. 
That's a gamification too. So it's, it's, it's a time-based gamification. You know, like to get to the next level, you have to do five minutes of this. Sure. And it's the same thing. I won't stop five minutes early. I wait until my watch says at least five minutes on it. Oh, I see. I will never stop before. And I have a ritual too. And it's like, because anybody that hasn't put on boxing gloves, it's really easy to put on the first one. The second one is not so easy to put on. So, and that's because you don't have fingers. They're inside a glove now. A boxing glove. You don't have fingers, Chad? Not in a boxing glove. I got mitts. Yeah, so what I'll do is I put the first hand in, but I don't I don't strap it. And then I'll reach over and I start the timer and then I strap it and put on the other glove so that I'm really only putting in 10, 15 seconds of non-exercise time on that clock. Gotcha. And then, but that's, it's not important, but it's gamification, right? Can I do this? How quick can I do this? So there's like all these little steps and it's like, okay, make sure you get 50 with the right hand. 50 with the left hand, now start freeform. Boom, 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 boom. And then the little games that you play when you're doing it. Like, uh, oh, you know what? I've been doing two with the left hand. You know, you start messing with your combos. Like, I've been doing two with the right hand and then one with the left. Well, if I was fighting a person, they'd figure that out. So let's do two with the left and one with the right for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's do one, two, three, one. Let's do one, 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 one. Uh, so you, those little games you play too. Absolutely, games are so important. And I feel like that's the only way that I'll ever consistently exercise is if I gamify it. If I don't, then it's virtually impossible for me to consistently do it. It's probably the reason why <clears throat> I'm much more willing to play in a hockey game than I am to work out for five minutes. I would argue that there isn't a person out there that can't exercise without gamification. Mm. Um, I I know people who I know people who can, but it's just a sheer will thing. Like it's a stubbornness, and not. I really guarantee a, you, they're playing games in their head when they're doing it. Though anybody eh, that maybe. times what they're doing is playing a game. Yeah, maybe. You're Especially right. runners. And you're like, oh, dude, I did a you know a six minute mile. They're gaming it. Yeah, that's gaming it. Sure, that makes sense. What are they gaming it against? This is a gaming of the last time. Like, oh, last time I did it six six twenty. This time I did six. That's gaming it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. They're playing Excite Bike instead of t- instead of Punch Out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, you remember in Excite Bike, literally, like the first time you go through the level, or, you know, you win. If you play that level again, you have to beat the time that you did before. So it becomes this loop of always having to get shorter and shorter time. Sure, that's that's what a runner's doing. Oh man, I haven't thought about Excite Bike, and it's got to be decades by now. That's crazy. Well, it's because of that Switch. When I bought the Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. you pay the like I think it's like twenty, thirty dollars a year for the Nintendo service, and you get all these. Well, not all, but like forty classic games, just available for free. And Excite Bike, because one one Excite Bike and Punch Out were some of them. So I went and played those, and I was <laughs> realized that I fucking suck at them now. <laughs> I remember kind of the tricks with Excite Bike, you know, like oh lean forward when you go over the jump and then pull back here and all the little tricks, but, or like punch out, you know, fighting guys are like, Oh yeah. How do I beat this guy again? Oh yeah. All the strategies that you employ from boxer to boxer. Sure. Yeah. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Don Flamenco pulls his arm back, smack him in the face. Okay. Boxing back to boxing again. And boxing we're, we're fully back. We've hit boxing three times in three different ways in this we've, episode. We've hit boxing three times. That's funny. Sorry, we've I just boxed like, ourselves in. I've really, I'm really like neck deep in puns in my life right now. So it feels I, right I to just stacked one on top of yours. Yeah. 
We're we're oh we're stacking boxes. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dad Jokes. I, I, I almost considered changing the description of the show from bad jokes to dad jokes. I think you should, because that is already a dad joke in and nobody of would even notice. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Man, I feel like I'm on such a, a the cusp of a huge change in my life. It's really weird. Mm, how so? Um, I've been, uh, you know, You're like I'm going to become a woman. Yeah, the last week of my life, I've been on this rabid job hunt. Uh, like I just want to do something different, mm-hmm. and I I'm, I realized that in the process of looking for a new job, I'm also having to change my habits in order to look for the new job. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize how entrenched I was in so many things. Until I actively try to change them, and it's really, really, really weird to object, objectively look at your life and see what choices you've made in order to make things work in your current situation. And I feel like I feel like I just have to wrecking ball the whole thing. That's why I think um, one of the most valuable things of the getting things done, you know, David Allen's getting things done I, uh, methodology. I almost said ideology methodology the one of the most valuable things about it is not actually the task list and all of that shit it's the idea of the reviews mm-hmm. yeah sure i think it's really important to audit yourself every once in a while absolutely absolutely because it like you said it becomes really easy to just do things well, because you always have and and to extend it even further even the things you think you're doing well you can always reevaluate the tasks themselves too it's not just you know like for me a good example of that for me is how i approach music um i i realized that the way i approach music is not correct for me either um so i've been doing this 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 thing re- recently where i find that i'm more inspired to do music when i hear good music so what I will do is I will f- I will take a song that I currently like or I'm listening to, and then I will figure out how to play it, and then from there I'll start writing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific set of set of you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's a very specific sequence, but I find that it makes me so much more musically productive. It's really weird. Well, I think there's certain certain you know term that I use all the time, and I'm sure people are sick of fucking hearing me say is wrap your head around. But I think there are certain things, um, like, you know, on maps, you remember, like, there's one, remember the world of physical maps? Mm -hmm. You're looking at a map, you need a key. So, anybody that has, is too young to know what that means, I'm terribly sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not not only are you missing out on something really fucking cool um, that was done for centuries, but so you have a map and there's symbols on a map. Well, there's a little box on the bottom that tells you what those symbols mean. You know, like if it's a dotted line, that means it's a dirt road. If it's a solid yellow line, that means it's a highway. Those are keys. So there are certain ideas that serve as keys in our lives. And Mm -hmm. everybody has a different map. You know, everybody has different keys. But you have these activities that you do, and they're just activities you do. And you try to do your best at them. But until you figure out the fucking key, until you figure out the secret... It doesn't ever click. You never wrap your head around it. Sure, because you have to redo the key every time you do something. Yeah, but yeah, you're just you're you're making it up as it's like a, going back to the writing thing. You're you're jabbing at it from the outside. Yeah, sure. But the moment you figure out that key, you're fucking inside of it. It's you know like the difference between watching a movie and virtual reality. Like, oh, this is the story of uh, the Avengers. 
well, virtual reality, you're like, holy shit, I'm Hawkeye. That's oh, yeah, a completely sure. different perspective. And that that finding the key that, for those things, it, it does that. It emerges. It emerges. Yeah, my days. I'm having trouble with words today. It it makes it an immersive experience. Sure. And that's. I mean, maybe that's your key for music. And they change, of course. That's why auditing. Going back to auditing being important. The key sometimes works forever. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Or like with writing. You might find the key, I like uh, this talking in the microphone thing and recording it. That might be the key for this book. But when I go to write the next book, it might have to be something completely different. It probably will be something different. Exactly. Like I feel like the, the way I'm writing music now is very specific to how I feel about music. You know, I'm, I'm in a very appreciative mode in my life in general. So it would stand to reason that one of the things I would, I would come to appreciate um, without a whole lot of effort is something that I love like music, you know? So in the, the act of appreciation, I find in it the act of creation being a heck of a lot easier or being more genuine for, for lack of better. And I think with music, that definitely is a trap that I might fall into without knowing it is that I produce things that are not necessarily good, but they sound cool in the moment. And, and there's, there's a big difference to me, um, the, the longevity of something, like how, how sticky an idea is in the long run. And I feel like without having some semblance of, of that key, I force myself into the habit of trying to produce something that feels disingenuous. And again, we've, we talk about just the, the lack of sincerity in, in all things um, pretty often here on the show. So it stands to reason that I would have a, a strong desire to, to work against that as an idea for myself as an artist. Well, it's, it's like uh, the episodes of this show. Sometimes we go too serious. Sometimes we go too light. But the best episodes of this show are when we talk about, like right now, I, like this converse, conversation is an example to me of the best of this show. Sure. It's a serious conversation, but it's in a lighthearted way. And we're, we're joking around in the middle of it. Sure. And that's when we're at our best. Because this is some big shit we're talking about here too. It's huge. Absolutely. It's, I mean, this, is, this is life-changing to me in many ways, you know? I think that's one of like the one, like the wrap your head around stuff for this show. The one that I had to wrap my head around, which it took a while, was this goes in phases. Sure. Like, like our interests do. You know, like we might be talking about art for six months, but then like we might move, we both move into a phase where, where we, we did, where we weren't so much interested in art. Sure. And, and we were into politics okay. for like a month and a half. Yeah. And, and being okay with that. And that, that's the difficult thing about the keys, right? Sometimes you don't feel like you're doing the quote-unquote right thing mm-hmm. because you, you're looking at somebody else's key, right? Sure, sure. Like writing or music are both perfect examples of that. This is the way you write a song. No, that's the way you write a song, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, but, but I feel like there's... there's and I just, just so I can be as real about this as I can be, um, I feel like there are points where I, I definitely borrowed your process in lieu of mine as well. You know what I mean? Um, just because I didn't know what mine was yet. So I used the, the thing that was immediately available to me, which considering how often we talk, would be the way your brain works in order to define my working environment. 
And, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like, you know, GTD and, and the principles that guide GTD are definitely a good example of that. You can take and steal certain things in order to become better at it for yourself. But that, that, that self-evaluation thing, that, that scorecard that we're talking about here for our own lives is definitely really critical. You know, the ability to re-examine it and to really ask the question, like, is this the way I really want to do something? And is this the best way I can do something? Yeah, that's a question that's harder to answer than people realize. Right. Well, I mean, and there's, like you said, there's nothing wrong with borrowing or stealing things from other people because uh, guess what? That's the only way you learn. Sure. But, but when you, when you really learn something, when it really becomes yours, is not when you learn how to do it exactly the way the other person's doing it, mm-hmm. is when you incorporate it. Yeah. When definitely. it becomes part of you, you go, oh, this part of it, that works for me. This part totally doesn't. Yep. And you, you do what you do. You know that when it comes to especially when it comes to creating, there is no objective right way to do it. Sure. There is there's no one way to write a book. There's no one way to write a song. There's no one way to paint a painting or to sure. even use a paintbrush. Sure. Um, but you learn that, you know, like when you going with painting, maybe you go on YouTube, you go, Oh, okay, so that's how you do that, and that's how you do that. Well, then you do those things for a while and you copy those people's style. Until you don't think about what you're doing anymore. And then it becomes you. Because the skills stay, but your specific way of doing things just happens. It's like, like handwriting. We, most of us, our generation, Lamb, we all learn the same exact handwriting. Sure. We all learned from the same fucking... It was the exact... There's, I can't remember what it's called, but there's one specific handwriting style that we were all taught. Nobody has the same handwriting. Yeah. Piano. Everybody's taught to play piano in a similar way. Nobody plays the piano the same way. Definitely not. I know Everybody, I don't. Yeah. Guitar. You all get the same scales. You know, but that's, you know, like the, the, the lesson of Picasso. It's like learn the lessons, learn the rules so that then you can break them. Sure. Because you want the you want the abilities, you know. Like when I back when I had a conversation with Devon Amos, he always talked about in that episode fundamentals. Fundamentals. You got to learn the fundamentals before you can even do your own shit. Sure. And sometimes stealing things from other people means I don't have a fundamental here. That seems to work for you. Maybe that's what I need. Mm-hmm. An injection, I guess. I, mm. I do it for sure. Everything yeah. I talk about on here is stolen from somebody. Yeah, and I mean, even from that perspective, like even talking about art as we understand it, there's so much that I, I, I want to. It's it's weird because I don't even care that much about art right now. I care about the technique of art, and I know that sounds odd, but it's it's. I'm more concerned with how I do it than what I'm doing, and I feel like that's a very particular phase. Um, like when you realize, for example, that you've left certain gaps in your technical ability, and you're just trying to find ways to fill those gaps so that you don't have to have to you don't ever have to worry about shortcomings in your technique anymore limiting your ability to create something you know like i, I think i think about um how i don't know how to play drums and how not even knowing how to play drums but at least having a rudimentary understanding of of what it takes to play drums and to establish and control rhythm is really really critical for me writing music absolutely well i mean that's why people look at people like dave grohl and they go wow Wow, you recorded that whole album and played all the instruments yourself. That's a very different style of understanding. Sure, but that's also why we rely on, like with music, we rely on collaboration, or sure. like 
uh, with with my book. Um, there's stuff in here that probably requires me to have knowledge of neurology. I'm not going to learn neurology to write this book. So guess what? Suspension of disbelief. You're just going to have to accept that what this doctor says is real in this world. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not going to go to medical school to write a novel. <laughs> sure. And I learned that from Shakespeare. A lot of the shit that Shakespeare wrote wasn't, you know, like, um, what is it? Is it, is it Merchant of Venice? No, it's, um, what's the one with, um, where they're stuck on the island? I don't know, actually. With uh, Caliban and sure Ariel. What the hell you're talking about? Caliban, Ariel, Prospero. Um, Tempest. The Tempest. Oh, the Tempest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's actually not the Tempest. Shit, I pulled up the wrong one. Oh, I think I think head. you're no. I, I think you're right, dude. I'm, no, I, no, no. I'm sorry. That that what I was describing is the Tempest, but what I was trying to remember oh. uh, is not from okay. the Tempest. In one in one of the plays that I'm totally blanking on right now, he. He says this person is kidnapped and taken. There's kidnapped from one city and then taken to the shore that night. But in reality, those two places are more than a a night's ride away. So there's no way that the person could have been kidnapped there and taken to the ocean in the time that Shakespeare said. Mm. But he didn't sit with the fucking map and go, okay, it's so many miles and that would take this long on horseback. And, you know, he didn't calculate it. He just said, I want them there that night. Tough shit. That's when it happens. Sure. And sometimes you just have to make those choices. You know, you want to do everything from most informed technical aspect that you can. You know, like you want to be able to play every note that you hear in your head. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you're like, mm, that, I can't play that part. Yeah. So let me simplify it. Oh, it happens all the time. I hear, I hear pen, plenty of piano parts in my head that I can't play. <laughs> Eighty percent of what I hear on the guitar, I can't play. <laughs> but you know, to be real with you, though, like my my quest to become better technically has led to me being able to fill in those gaps, though. Mm-hmm. And it's and every day, every day I sit down at the piano, I feel a little more confident in being able to create without fumbling my way through it. Like I mean, I look at some of the the piano players that that you know the obvious ones like Thelonious Monk or Duke Ellington, but I watch guys even pop music like Matt Bellamy um, from Muse playing piano. And I see how effortless it is. And it's effortless because there is t- there's literally no effort. It's almost like speaking to them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think of, of the versions of that that exist in my life that those people would marvel about. Like, you know, my, my ability to, to maneuver a golf club, for example, is probably far beyond their capabilities. I don't know if he's a good golfer or not, but I assume that I'm a better golfer than someone who dedicates 12 hours a day of their life to music. Um, in the same way that they're better at me than they're they're better than me at guitar, so you know, in almost all things, um, especially when we're talking about this kind of technical stuff, it's just literally all about the time that you spend and how much you care. Well, and and having holes in your technique should never stop you from creating something. Oh, I totally agree, and that did stop me for a long time. It, that's a very recent realization in my life, actually. It's one everybody has like this idea that like I have to be the I have to be. It's not the best. I, I have to be complete to do this. Sure. In this, you know, like I, if, if it was a class, I have to have graduated to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Like, uh, pretty sure that 90% of the guitar players that Kurt Cobain looked up to could outplay the fucking shit out of him. Sure. It didn't stop him from making three albums that were enormous 
and become a musical icon that would define a genre of music for generations. Sure. Exactly. But I guarantee you, he couldn't play any of the Queen songs that he loved. Sure. Because Brian May is a very technical player. Kurt mm-hmm. Cobain, not so much. Nope. But he didn't, it, it didn't have that stop him. And that's one thing that's really important. And I know for writers, it manifests itself even more viciously than it does for musicians. Because I think innately, musicians understand that. Like, I'm not going to be of the caliber of Chopin mm-hmm. before I start writing music. Sure. Um, but authors, they, the way that the authors fall into this pit is they feel that they have... Like they'll start to write something like, oh, I don't know enough about this to do this right now. And so then they end up in this research pit that just kills all the momentum of the creative process. Yeah, I've seen you fall into research pits. Absolutely. And that's why I understand it so well. And the only way to to fight that is, okay, so you want to say you really do want to research it. Fine. But you have to understand that that's different time than writing time. Sure. That no matter what, if you're going to go down a research pit, you still have to write those fucking two, whatever, uh, 500 words a day. Completely separately. That Hmm. research time is a different time. And that's a different task. Just like editing is a different task than writing. You can't fill them in the same place. Do you find yourself getting stuck though in moments where you wish you had more technical knowledge about a specific thing and that stops you from being able to write it to the level of intricacy that you want? Uh, yes and no. I do find it, it's never a problem. I, uh, sometimes it's, a, it's an awesome feeling because it's freeing where you go, I don't know much about this, so whatever. And then you just push your way through it and then realize that if you have to go in and fix something later, you can go and fix it with the information later. But what I'll do a lot of times is I'll write something as long as it's not like a huge plot point. I'll write it and then I'll stick a post-it on it with a question like, did this exist in 1985? Mm. And then move on. As long as it's not a huge plot point. If it's a huge plot point and I don't have the research for it, then I move on to a different part of the book. I see. Like, "Mm, guess I have to finish this scene later, move on to the next scene. And that's why it's important to plot before you write. Because if you have the plot, then you can jump from scene to scene. If you're writing in chronological order, trying to figure out the book as you're going forward, you can't do that because you don't know what's seven scenes later. Sure. And you get stuck. That makes sense. Yep. And that's why, you know, like Stephen King can do it. You know why Stephen King can do it? It's because he's writing fucking horror, fantasy. Sure. He can just make it up as he goes. Yeah. He's writing about ghosts and, and demons and stuff like that. There's no fucking reality to that. You know, even if there are really those things, <laughs> there's nobody out there that can tell you that they're, you know, which one is the real version. So he can make up whatever the hell he wants. Sure. You're not writing a technical manual. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this happened to Carrie. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she has, she has ESP or not ESP. Uh, ESPN. Telekinesis. <laughs> no, I have ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dumb. I'm sorry, everybody, for that the lameness of that. Bad jokes, dad jokes. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, th- th- I think that that's a very important lesson for us all to learn is like, just keep moving forward in some way. 
Um, that's I mean, it even goes back to like our last episode where we're talking about like a defeatist attitude. You know, like defeatist attitude is giving yourself an excuse to stop. As long as you're moving forward in something, then you're not being defeated. Mm-hmm. As long as you're moving towards something, you're like, oh, I might not be able to do this five times a week. Okay, do it once. Because at least you're moving forward. You know, like when you stand still, that's when you die. Mm-hmm. You know, hot lava. What was it? The tan bark is hot lava. Tan bark is hot lava. Yeah. So. I miss playing games like that. Actually, I'm, I've, I've, I, I miss tan bark actually, um, and all the crappiness and splinters that came along with it. Like the playgrounds that I've gone to in, in modern times have been so much safer. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't. I'm not shunning safety. That's just stupid. But. There's an element of, of danger <laughs> that I want in my playgrounds, I guess. And this might be because I don't have kids. Um, but I, 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 feel, I feel like sometimes you got to fall a little bit. You do. You have to. I mean, remember in the Connelling of American Mind, they talk about that. Like there's some, I think it was in England, they have like some park where they let kids play with hammers and nails and saws. They just have to sign a waiver before they go in. Because there's something inherent to like learning that. Like, how do I learn how to hammer a nail? By smacking my thumb. Yeah, you do that once or twice and you'll never ever hammer your, your nail up like that ever again. Sure, once in a while, every, every once in a while, a kid cracks himself in the head with a hammer. <laughs> That's like Every once in a while, you step off the sidewalk and a bus hits you. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a, I, I feel like that's a lesson you can only learn once, though. There's a great story. I don't know if this is true. Somebody told me this when I was younger. Uh, that there was this person who was terrified of flying. And I think they were agoraphobic. Like they were, they, they were terrified of flying was like their number one fear. Airplanes just terrified them. But then I think they became agoraphobic because they just stayed in the house. And then one day a plane crashed into their house and killed them. Uh, it's gotta, I don't know if that's real. It's got to be a wives' tale or something. It's a great fairy tale though because that's life. You can live your life, you know, afraid of all this shit. And guess what? Eventually it'll come, you know, the snake will crawl in your bed and bite your ass without you having to go to the jungle. It's funny. When I was younger, I was afraid of heights. And now, and I don't know what experience has led me to, to I feel like that overcoming the fear of heights defined a lot of who I am as a person, actually. Um, and now I love heights. I mean, there's a picture that I'll post on the Instagram of me hanging over the edge of a 14-story building and loving it. Mm, I'm writing that down for an action item. Um, and I was afraid of that. I was afraid of that. So like when I went for my walk, I'm like, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm not, I'll save that. I'll go back to that spot again sometime. There's plenty of neighborhoods. So I went a different direction. And I had in the headphones and I'm like, you know what we talked about before with the sunglasses and the hat and not feeling like I was present. Um, and I was kind of feeling that way. So I'm like, I can't put these in yet. So I just kind of walked normal, you know, not no headphones in. And I had an even better time. And huh. so now I've been every day. I, this is different than I walked before. I should clarify this. I was walking every day before. Um, typically when I was walking before the dog, I would walk to the coffee shop, which is about eh, 20, 15, 20 minutes, depending on my speed, have coffee in the end. You know, like I don't uh, actually in editing Brandon's episode, I was listening and I'm like, mm, I talked too much. Like I definitely out-talked Brandon in the episode. But that's that's what happened. And he'll be back on again and I'll probably let him out-talk me next time. Sure. I like that naturalness. Well, it's also nice to have the possibility of recurring guests too because you can kind of learn from episode to episode how it's supposed to go, you know? Right. Just like we bring bringing up topics that we're 
continually digging into uh, not just the ones that I'm bringing in the episodes now, but stuff that we've talked about before, you know, like uh, we've talked so many times about surveillance capitalism and creativity and all these things that keep coming back in that allows that topic to expand and grow. And the same thing in Hap Tree. Look at this house. And it could be a mundane, very mundane um, suburban home. But you notice something about it that you wouldn't normally notice. Why? Because you're in a good mood. You're feeling nice. The endorphins are going. Maybe you have a little, little bit of a, um, little bit of a buzz almost. You know, like a, the same thing that people talk about. You know, like when they go on hikes. You know, they get high on nature. I don't think it's nature. I think it's actually your body. You're exerting yourself in nature, and then you're releasing the endorphins, and then you're feeling good. And now you can appreciate the 